I'm going to be talking about just trials and struggles. I know so many of you are just going through it right now. It's a different season. And I titled this, What I'm Learning Right Now Through Corona and Cancer. And I was telling someone about it, and they said, well, you haven't had cancer. And I said, no, but I haven't had corona either. So, but it's one of those times where when we say corona in 20 years, everyone will remember this season because it's affected all of us, even if we haven't had it. And it just shows how we're connected at the heart because we're all walking through this together, even though we're affected in different ways. And the Lord, of course, is just faithful to be there for all of us. The first thing that I put that I have learned through this season, because God is such a good, good father to us, is that he always gives us a heads up about what he's about to do. I kept thinking this week of how many times our leaders for the last few months have talked about the word reset. Reset. We've heard that a lot. And I think even for me, I sensed that and I wondered what I needed to do in my life to have a reset. And little did I know that God was going to bring about that reset. He was going to do it. And then I thought about the message that I spoke about just a couple of months ago about the prodigal son. And I remember saying that we needed to learn how to just be in the Father's house, not serving, not working. And what would it look like if he took away activity and busyness from us for a while? What would that look like and how would he respond? And little did I know back in February that that's exactly what was about to happen for many of us, is that we're not here doing what we normally do in service. He's given us a time of quietness to reset, to to hear him, to see what he's doing. He's such a good father. Every good parent would prepare us for something that was big and hard that was coming. They would want us to be prepared. And certainly the Lord, as that good, good, good father that he is, he spoke to so many. Amos 3, 7 says, For the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants, the prophets. He's so good like that. You know, I look back, and I believe that this was even before Jeff's cancer diagnosis. Someone texted me, and they said, I had a dream about you last night. I had a dream about you and Jeff, and I wanted to, to share it with you. And the Lord also ministers to me in dreams. And so I was very interested to see what she had to say. And she told me, she said, I dreamed last night that I saw Jeff on the battlefield, and he was down, and he was wounded, and his sword was on the ground. And I saw that you had run over to him and you were holding your shield over him and you were protecting him, but you still had your sword and you were fighting what was coming against your husband. Yeah, the Lord, 
the Lord prepares us. I've thought about that dream so many times in the last few months. God was preparing my heart for what was about to come, and he prepares our hearts because he's such a good father. And then someone else, just a few weeks later, they told me, yeah, the Lord gave us a dream about you, and you were on the battlefield, and, and Jeff was wounded, and you were down. But I saw faces of those in our community coming and getting around your family, and they were holding their shields over you. And I thought, what a beautiful picture that is of, of the body of Christ and how we come along and we support each other. And I'm going to share a little bit, um, even more in a few minutes, about what that's looked like. Even this week, as, as the body of Christ has come and surrounded me and my family, and how good he was to give two people dreams about this and to just give me the comfort that I see you and he sees you wherever you find yourself today. And if we have ears to hear, he will speak to us, which brings me to my next point. The second thing I'm learning that God is doing in this season is that he's doing a new thing. I'm 45 years old, and I have never seen a season like this, ever. I've never uh, driven down the road and seen such empty places, and I, I've seen such fear in people's lives and in their eyes. And it's been interesting to me, too. I was just sharing this uh, with Alicia this last week, that we've been out a little bit more. And everywhere we've gone, the workers, of course, are wearing, are wearing masks. And God showed me, he said, yeah, it's a great time to look at people in their eyes. You know, the eyes are the window to the soul. And it was so interesting to me as I would look on these faces and all I could see was their eyes, that God would show sometimes that there were fear in those eyes. And I knew he wanted me to speak rest into their hearts. And some of them had love and there were different things, but the eyes are definitely the window to the soul. And it is a great time to connect to people at that heart level by looking into their eyes. But God is doing a new thing. Isaiah 43, 19 says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? And what I believe that this verse can, can show us and tell us is that God can be doing something completely new and we can be completely unaware of it. He asked the question, do you not perceive it? Just because I don't perceive it doesn't mean he's not doing something new. And so I have to focus. I have to look. And only the Lord in his great might and his great power can do something new in all the world and all the earth and still do something new in me and in you as well. And he wants to. He wants to do something new. He wants to say something new to us. And I've learned that sometimes I don't think he's saying anything because I'm listening for him to repeat the last thing he told me. And he doesn't always do that. God doesn't change his mind, but sometimes he gives us little bits of information one at a time. You know, if Abraham had quit listening, 
Isaac would have been sacrificed. Abraham had to keep listening and keep pressing in for the voice of the Lord. And just because we heard something last month or even yesterday, he has something new to say today. And I want to hear it. And I know that you do too. Something I've learned is that we have to proactively be attentive to his voice. You see, the enemy's voice can sound like the culture's voice, which sounds very reminiscent of our own flesh. You do not have to try hard to hear those voices. But you have to be conscious and you have to purposefully engage to hear the Lord's voice. And I have found so many times that he's so much more interested in speaking than sometimes than what I am in listening. He always wants to speak. He is called the word. And he always has a word for us. But it may not look like the word that we got last year. And it may not be a comfortable word. It may be challenging. It may be ushering in us into a new season. It, must be, it may be ushering us into something that we've never done before. And if we're not purposely listening, we'll think we're hearing him wrong or we won't hear him at all because it doesn't sound like the voice we're used to. So he wants to speak. He is speaking. And we want to hear his voice. And also, God listens to our cries. Psalm 56, 8 says, You have collected all my tears in your bottle. That, to me, is one of the sweetest verses in all of the Bible. That maybe you've cried more in this past season, and I want you to know that God has collected every tear in his bottle. And if he has collected it, then it means he has seen it. And he is moved by our tears. His heart is moved by our tears. And Psalm 126.5 says, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Not even just joy, but shouts of joy. It's that place where you have been so filled that you cannot help but to let it out and to talk about it and to shout about it. And what's so interesting to me is that we're sowing in tears. It speaks to me that we're still showing up and we're still doing what he's called us to do. I don't know if you guys remember, it's several years, probably like 20 or 30 years old, but the old footprints picture, and it looks where there's two sets of uh, pictures on the beach, and then the guy turns around and he says, I only see one set of uh, footprints on the beach why did you leave me? And the Lord's answer is no, that is actually when I carried you. And I have lived through that. And then a a few years later, there was actually another version of that picture that came out. And it was a little bit more of a humorous version. 
and it was this, this sand, and it had the two sets of footprints, and then it has kind of like this groove of sand going through, that, through the beach, and it has the picture of Jesus turning around and said, and that right there is where I drug you for a little while. And I thought, yeah, I think that that's where I am, that if last Sunday I was being, being carried by the Lord, this Sunday I have been drugged by the Lord. That where it says, who is this coming up, leaning on her beloved? Right now the picture, and I have a very active imagination, and the picture in my mind is, who is this with her ankle in Jesus' hand while he kind of drags her through the wilderness? And it's me. It's Amy Lyle. And what's so great about it is he's dragging me, and I keep ending up where I need to be, and then everybody tells me how strong I am. <laughs> and I think, oh, no. <laughs> No, I'm not. I just got drug here by the Lord because he carries us in those seasons. And it is his strength in us that gets us where we need to be going. That's how I feel right now. Last Tuesday, as Billy mentioned, and so many of you know, and y'all have supported us, that Jeff is going through cancer and chemotherapy and radiation, and it has been hard on him. And then last Monday, Landon, my son, had an accident and dislocated his shoulder, and it's just all banged up and, and bloodied on one side. And on Tuesday night, I was... I was in Landon's room, and he just couldn't get comfortable. I kept trying to put pillows behind him, and if you've ever dislocated your shoulder, you know how very painful that can be. And I was just trying to, to help him, and I was putting Neosporin on all these scrapes, and nothing I did could make him comfortable. He kept still moaning in pain. And as I was doing that, I started hearing Jeff uh, choke and dry heave in the room across the hall. And it just went on for forever, it felt like. And I didn't really know where to be and who to attend to. And I just thought for a second, I just cannot do this. And maybe you've been there where you just feel like, I just can't go on. I cannot put one more foot in front of the other. I just need, I just need to pause here for a second. But yet you can't because there's work to be done. And as I was helping Landon and trying to get him to go to sleep, I just had this picture, and I was reminded of that picture that had been sent to me of the dream of, the community coming around and holding their shields over me and over my family. And it was only about an hour later that someone texted me and they said, you know, we just had just a picture of you. The Lord just gave us a picture and you were walking through 
somewhere and there were, there were snakes, there was danger all around you and you were in red high heels and you just kept crushing all of those things that were dangerous to you. And little did she know, someone had already sent me a dream that was very similar, but I was in gold high heels, but I was crushing what was dangerous to me and what was coming for me and my family. And then just a little bit after that, I started getting texts from different people in this community saying, you know, we don't know why, but God just really put you on our heart tonight, and we're praying for you. And one lady said, I don't know what's going on tonight, and I, had, I don't think I had even posted about Landon yet, but she said, the Lord just, just led me into a deep prayer about your emotions tonight. And I just sat on the side of my bed and cried like a baby because I thought, you know, the Lord is talking to his kids about me and they are coming and that dream is coming true that other people are coming and they're lifting their shields along with mine over me and over my family. Why? Because God is such a good father and he takes care of us and he bottles our tears and all those tears that we are sowing in. Like I said, I see that that sowing means that there are tears, but work doesn't stop. There's still children to take care of, and there's still parents to look after, and there's still meals to cook, and jobs to attend to, and bills to be paid. And I know some of you are right there in this season and you wonder how you're going to make it through, but God is going to get you through this. And he will get us through the next thing that comes as well. Something I saw in this scripture, and this was a little convicting uh, to me, is that it does not say that those who sow while gritting their teeth or while stuffing it down or while busying myself so I don't have to think about this, reap with shouts of joy. No, that promise is contingent upon the first part of that verse which is sowing in tears. I wrote this down exactly the way the Lord gave it to me, and it's exactly how I wanted to give it to you, that this reaping in joy is contingent on a vulnerable and honest assessment and a vulnerable and honest response that this reaping in joy is contingent on a vulnerable and honest assessment and a vulnerable and honest response. And what that means for me and for you is that we just have to get real about the season that we're in the effect that it's had on us, and how we really feel about it.
And I purpose to the Lord that I'm not going to walk up there and pretend like I have it all together and that I am some super strong Christian who showed up. No, I have sown in tears this week. Many, many tears. But you know what? I know that I will reap in joy because I believe his promise and I've lived it and I've seen it. But that vulnerable and honest response, diagnosis always precedes treatment. Diagnosis always comes before treatment. We have to take a real honest inward look. I was reading in Psalm 23 this week about him leading us beside still waters And I thought, yeah, besides still waters is where we see our reflection. And that's where God is inviting so many of us. He wants us to get a real honest look about where we are and where our hearts are. And he welcomes us to feel exactly what we're feeling. There's no pretense And when we have done that, God always sends help. Those friends who texted on Wednesday, you know, just to top everything off, my van had an issue and two really kind gentlemen in the church came and got my van and took it to the shop and and got it fixed and I don't know, I told somebody, I feel like I'm just kind of a girl who like, go big or go home. You know, just, let's just do this big. Let's let everything tear up at the same time and just have as many problems as we can have in one week. (laughs) I really do not feel that way. But this week just kind of, it just seemed to go that way. But I was so thankful for, for a body. And God keeps reminding me that we are, a body, and we're strong at different times. And sometimes you're going to be strong, and I'm going to be weak, and you're going to help me. And sometimes I'm going to be strong, and you're going to be in a season of hardship, and I want to come help you. You know, James tells us in James 1, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kind, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I looked up this word steadfast, and it means the quality of being resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering. And I thought it was so interesting, the wording, the wording of this is that the testing of your your faith produces steadfastness. Isn't that interesting? The very thing that we need to get through our trial is what our trial produces. We need steadfastness to get through our trial, but yet our trial is what produces steadfastness. Only the Lord could do that. We would think, no, we would go take a class on steadfastness. We take a course, and then once we ace that course, then we would be prepared with the steadfastness to go through this trial, but that is not the way that God does it. He does it his own way, 
And you know what? We have it when the trial comes because what I keep learning over and over and over, and Lord, you're so kind to just keep teaching me, is that he does not give us what we need to get through this commitment, this trial, this message until after we say our yes. And I always think, no, I'm going to wait on you to give me the strength and give me the steadfastness, and then I will go through this trial with joy. And it just doesn't work that way. He gives those things after he sees that we're going to be obedient to what he's called us into. So this trial produces steadfastness, and it says to let it have its perfect work and let it have its full effect. You know, I I think I must be a little impatient when I've done like my own hair color or I've used a facial mask. I'm really bad about if it says to like leave on for 20 minutes, I want to like leave it on for 10. And then Alicia, of course, who's a rule follower, I'll leave it on for 20. And then her skin will look better than mine. And I, and I realized as I was reading this, yeah, you don't let that thing have its full effect because you stop halfway. And if we're going to let this trial and let steadfastness come in and have its full effect, it means that we can't cut any corners in this, that we have to keep walking through this thing. And then steadfastness will have its full effect. And then what? Oh, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Who doesn't want to be complete and perfect, lacking in nothing? Doesn't that sound so wonderful? Well, it is available. And it is not available to me because I have been obedient. It's not not available to me simply because I've been obedient or simply because I prayed this many hours or I've preached this many times. You know when it's available to me? When I have let this, this trial have its full effect in my soul. It's not even the trial that does it. It's the trial and what it produces in me and this confidence, and I let it have its full effect. Then I and you can be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I want to tell you that we can get through anything if we can find purpose in it. If we will just allow God to show us the purpose in it, I believe that we can get through anything. I was reading about the blind man, the man who had been blind since birth. And then the people asked Jesus, oh, who sinned, him or his father or his parents? And Jesus answered, neither. This blindness was for the glory of God. And I wrote down as I was reading these verses this week that we look for reason in our trial, but God answers with the purpose. See, we want to find the reason. We want to find the origination. And God wants to answer with our destination. 
We want to know why it started and when it started and what brought that about. And God always answers, I want to show you where I'm taking you through this what the destination and what the purpose is. And if we can get a hold of that, we can get through anything, anything. Destination. So I love that James tells us what to do, and then he tells us why we're doing it. Because it's producing steadfastness, And it's producing character and wisdom so that we will lack nothing. We will lack nothing. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. You know, wells are dug during hard times. And through... My trials, I just see the Lord keeps just digging this well that goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And you know, when you're in the trial and when a well is being dug, you don't really see the benefit. You know when you see the benefit? When it rains. And the rain will come. And it will start filling up that well that has been dug so deep. And you will start drawing things out of your spirit and your heart that you had no idea even went in. And it will refresh you and it will refresh others. You will draw from that source. And that is what will give you the refreshment and strength to get through the next trial. Because he's good. And he always supplies what we need. We've learned that God will speak about what he's about to do. We've learned that God is doing a new thing and wants to do something new in and through us. We've learned that those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. And I'm looking forward to some of your shouts because they will come. And the last thing that I'm going to talk about is that the Lord keeps showing me to to remember, to remember what he's done, to remember who he is, and not just, yeah, I, I know, but a proactive, I'm going to remember. It's what communion is all about. It's remembering And God is showing me that he wants us to remember this time, not just as the COVID-19 season, but what God did in the midst of it. And, you know, I've learned the hard way that I don't remember as well as I I think I will. I remember when the kids were little, I would... 
a call and tell my mom something funny that they had done. And she said, you better write it down. You'll forget. And I thought, I will never forget. That was so funny. And, and I so enjoy the season. And now there are so many times I think, oh, man, I wish I, I, wish I had written that funny phrase that, that Landon said because I can't recall it in this, in this moment. And so I was reading in Joshua 4, 1 through 7, And it says, when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, this is when the Lord is delivering them, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, take 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. And he tells them, I want you to do this and that it might be a sign among you. And when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. You know, most of us don't have stones in places where God did something for us. It's, it's not how we do it anymore. But I do believe that it's just as important for us to remember how God delivered us as it was for them to remember how God delivered them. And he wants us to tell our children and our children to tell their children and their children to tell their children. And I love Nehemiah chapter 9. I don't have time to read the verses, and so maybe you can turn there this week. But in Nehemiah chapter 9, it gives the most full synopsis of the whole Old Testament right there in one chapter. It's after they've confessed their sins, they want their their wall to be rebuilt, and they start talking about what God had done. And they say in Nehemiah chapter 9, God, you chose Abraham. You made a covenant with us. You saw our affliction in Egypt and you heard our cries at the Red Sea and you performed signs and wonders. And it goes on and on and on about what God did. And why does this encourage me? Because it shows me that all these years after those those uh, that time in Joshua, that the people in Nehemiah are still talking about it, which shows me that they listened to what God said and they did tell their children and their children told their children and they followed that commandment so that all these years later they could say with confidence, even though they had, had strayed, they had, they had walked away from the Lord, but they still remembered what the Lord did for their forefathers. And I thought, yeah, someone was very faithful to pass along those stories. Read it. It's in such detail about what God did. And I don't know whether they're reminding the Lord or reminding themselves in that chapter. It's, it's an interesting chapter. It's, it's almost like, Lord, you remember you made a covenant with us. And you remember that you said you would come, come for us. And you heard the, the affliction and the tears in Egypt. And, and will you hear us now, even though we have failed you? And of course, the answer 
is yes. He wants us to do this in our lives. He wants us to remember and to pass along what he did for us in hard seasons. Most of you know about my wreck in 2011 that took the life of my mom and changed my life forever. What many of you don't know is that in 1985, I was 10, my mom and her mom were in the car together. They had gone to get groceries. And on the way back from the grocery store, my mom, my grandmother, with my mom driving, had a heart attack. She had a heart attack in the car with my mom. My grandmother went to be with the Lord a few days later. And my mom grieved terribly. I would say she fought depression for the better part of that next year. But my mom and I spent a lot of time in the living room together. And I would look up at her and I would see her writing in this blue journal. And I would ask her, Mom, are you okay? And she'd say, oh, I'm just, I'm just pouring out my thoughts and my prayers to my father. And every few days, she would get out this journal, sometimes with tears streaming, sometimes with a smile on her face, and she would write. When I came home from the hospital in July of 2011, I left the hospital and came right here to the sanctuary. And I sat right down here in my wheelchair. And I spoke at my mom's funeral. And I thought about the godly life and I talked about it that she had lived. And when I got home later that day, I was in a hospital bed in our den. And I couldn't get to my mom's house, even if I wanted to. It had so many stairs. But God brought this picture back to my mind of me sitting in that living room. And I got Jeff to hold the phone up to my ear. And I called my cousin who lived close. And I said, I know what I want you to go do. Now, my mom had a beautiful house with beautiful paintings. She had jewelry galore that my dad had purchased for her. I said, somewhere in my mom's house is a blue journal with flowers on it. I want it. I want that journal. It took her hours and hours to find it because my mom left her right and she had many journals. When she finally brought it to me, I opened it. And the first thing it said is, Lord, my children mean so much to me. She goes on to say, my heart is hurting worse than it ever has. I don't know how to go on. But I will go on 
for Mark and Amy. And I pray that one day my testimony of remaining steadfast in the hardest trial of my life will inspire them to remain steadfast in the hardest trial of their life. And she goes on and she fills this book about what it was like to be in a car with her mom dying and how to get through that. And she writes down how to bury her best friend and how to get through that. And you see, my mom, my whole life, had been my biggest confidant. And I went to her. Hers was the instruction that I followed. And when people would come over and say, you lost your mom, you lost your counselor, who is helping you through this trial? I would hold this up and I would say, my mom. My mom's words are still the words that are helping me get through this trial. Amy, what book are you reading? I'm reading my mom's journal because my mom didn't have stones, but she built her altar of remembrance with a blue pen and a blue floral journal. And I would not take a million dollars for this journal because it is her altar of remembrance that got me and gets me through the hardest days of my life. And one day I will pass this on to my children who will pass this on to their children and it will get them through. What do we learn from this? is that we need our own altar of remembrance. We want to leave something like this for our kids and our grandkids and our nieces and our nephews and for all of those who come behind us. Let us leave something with them that they can hold on to that will get them through the hardest times. We don't want to waste the season. And there are people and our children who are counting on us to keep just pressing on. And I may get up here and cry, but with the Lord's help, I will keep showing up. I will keep showing up for you and for my kids and for my family and for this community. And I want you to keep showing up for me because I need you and we need each other. And so I want to encourage you. The Lord is our strength. We are going to reap with shouts of joy. Shouts of joy. I can see it in my mind's eye. I can see it. I'll be shouting with joy. Some of you will be shouting with joy. Write your thoughts down. 
Make an altar of remembrance so that you can remind yourself and remind generations to come what God has done for us. He will do for you too. I want to pray for us and then we'll have a closing video and we'll be finished. Wherever you are, if you could just put yourself in just a a posture of receiving and blessing. Father, we love you today. It is your strength that got me here. It's your strength that is carrying so many of us. God, would you come right now on the other side of of every screen, of, of every camera, would you come right now with your compassion and comfort and your reminder that you bottle up every single tear and that there's purpose in our pain and there's purpose in our trial that you're producing something in us that will not only bring glory to you but it will build character in us Give us that steadfastness, that endurance so that we can be complete and perfect, lacking in nothing. Every need you will meet, there's grace for this. There's grace for today. There's grace for every trial. And there's more grace for harder trials. God, show us how to make altars of remembrance. We don't want to hold our breath and get through this season. We want to learn in this season. We want to glorify you in this season. We want to learn more about you in this season. And when we want to hold on to that and pass it on to future generations, And we want them to know that they can keep showing up because they saw us continue to show up even in the midst of trial and pain because you are worthy. And we want to walk worthy of this calling that we've received because we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for ministering so tenderly to our hearts. Father, we say with your help, we will keep showing up. Out of love, not out of duty, out of love. We love you, Jesus. 
and it is in your precious and holy name I pray. Amen.